Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. I believe it's me who starts this one. I'm Joel Breeze Key. Mike Kapler with me, Growing Grace Podcast. We're actually in the Midwest, so I don't know what's up with that <laughs> southern drawl. I just I tried wasn't to sure do what there. you were doing there. I don't know what I was doing. Accents are a strange thing, aren't they? Yeah. You know, I lived in England for four years when I was a boy. And, you know, we've got here in the United States, we've got different accents. But then England, my goodness, there's like 20,000 different accents over there. It's it's strange. <laughs> it's such a small country and you got so many different accents. But that is pretty cool about the, the English language. And then, of course, I believe other languages also have their own accents and dialects too kind of interesting it is it's fascinating well hey thanks uh, for coming along with us for the ride we are getting closer to uh concluding our series in the book of hebrews uh coming to the end of chapter 10 here right now and we'll uh, finish uh, the next few chapters here in the in the next several weeks probably but um we wanted to spend some extra time uh, on uh these recent chapters especially probably Hebrews 7, 8, 9, and 10. And as I said, we're coming toward the end of 10. We left off in Hebrews uh, 10, 26, and we just got done going through what the will of God was with the sacrifice of Christ and what that resulted into as far as forgiveness and sanctification. And then the, the writer goes on to encourage these Jewish people to come up with ways to stir up one another, to stimulate one another with, with love and, and good deeds. And you can you can do that by coming together in a variety of different ways to encourage one another. And But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, seemingly, seemingly from out of nowhere, comes Hebrews 10, 26. For if we go on sinning willfully, uh, and I happen to be in the NASB right now, if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Whew, stop, take it in for a second, and then read the next verse. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment. And, and this is Old Covenant quoting going on here now, and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? I'll stop right there, Joel, and, and let you comb through this with me. Hmm. Yes, it really does look terrifying. If as we've talked about a lot of times, I know I, I bring this up a lot, This and you do too, about the versology. And a lot of people, when they quote from Hebrews, when I see people quoting from Hebrews, they're either quoting from Hebrews 6, which we covered in a previous podcast, or Hebrews 10, 26, and this passage that you read. And so much context is totally left out. What the writer is writing about here in the book of Hebrews, that's all paid no attention to by people who quote mostly this one verse 
and then uh, sometimes adding the other verses that you just read, 27, 28, 29, 30. And so I'll just say a lot of times the interpretation is that if we sin willfully, so if we, <laughs> if we do something intentionally that's a sin, sorry, you're not saved anymore because the sacrifice of Jesus doesn't count for you. That's really how it's interpreted. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, and so it does become a scary thing for people. There's a certain terrifying expectation of judgment, the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Yeah, sure, someone who set aside the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment if you trample underfoot the Son of God and regard as unclean the blood of the covenant by which you were sanctified and insult the Spirit of grace? What they're saying is that if you sin willfully, you have trampled the Son of God underfoot. You've regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which you were sanctified. You've insulted the Spirit of grace, all because you were so sloppy with your behavior. You just went ahead and sinned willfully, even though you knew the truth. You knew, <laughs> you knew the truth about all of this. Um, sorry, there's no longer a sacrifice for your sins. You're out. That's pretty much... I mean, and it, maybe I'm exaggerating and maybe I'm under exaggerating, depending on how some people uh, like to bring all of this stuff out here. But really, that's not what he's saying at all. At least I hope it's not, Cap. Can you can you set <laughs> us straight here? <laughs> well, where people jump in here on, on Hebrews 10, 26, it's as if they aren't even aware of everything that was said leading up to this. I mean, you're going to have to take a black highlighter to at least the last four chapters and just disregard everything that's been said up to this point. Context is so critical. So yeah, go on sinning, sinning, sinning willfully. How many unwillful sins have you committed? <laughs> yeah, you could probably try to make the argument that you've committed some, but more times than not, I would be willing to bet that you probably knew what you were doing, sinning willfully. The problem here is this. If you're going to reject the one sacrifice that I've been talking about here as the writer of Hebrews, if you're going to reject this one, because there used to be a whole bunch of sacrifices, not anymore. They were all set aside. That entire law was set aside. So if you're going to, if you're going to keep sinning, if sin still happens— and you reject the one sacrifice that God has provided for us from this time on, then there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins because the old sacrifices have been put aside. There's only one sacrifice left, and if you reject that one, then you're in some trouble. There will be the expectation of judgment. And, you know, verse 28, Joel, anyone who, who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, it sounds like he's talking in the present tense when he's been talking for chapters, repeating over and over again that the law was set aside. <laughs> he, he, he just accused himself. He, he just gave himself a death sentence if you're going to try to read this this verse all by itself and, and try to read what it means into it. He just gave himself a death sentence because he just mentioned that the new covenant set aside the previous covenant. It set aside the sacrifices. It set aside, it canceled, it brought an annulment of the law of Moses. And under the law, 
what he's saying really is under the law, if there were two or three people who said, yeah, you, you disregarded the law, you tossed it aside, then you would be worthy of death. That's no longer the case. But if you were to just read that verse all by itself, you might assume that, Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, there's a context thing here going on. Uh, And he's just saying, you know, people could get killed, people could die, you know, capital punishment could occur just by disregarding the law of Moses for those who were under it at that time. And so don't reject this one sacrifice, the way out that God has provided for all of humankind. Uh, Don't insult the spirit of grace by counting that blood, the blood of Jesus, as unclean. And verse 30, for we know him who said, and this is an Old Testament quote here, we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Well, the Lord did judge his people. His people were Israel. He's not talking about judging you now for sins. Otherwise, the sacrifice of Jesus was an unsuccessful venture. Right. So verse 29 How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? So what, indeed, has the writer been writing about here regarding the Son of God, regarding Jesus, regarding the one who offered himself for all sins for all time? How do you trample him underfoot? It's by rejecting what he did for your sins. Let me take you back to verse 18. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, <laughs> there, there is no longer an offering for sin. <laughs> There's no longer any offering for sin. So, if your sins have been forgiven, I'm sorry, there's no longer an offering for sin. I mean, if you want to interpret verse 18, like many people interpret verse 26, (laughs) sorry, but if your sins have been forgiven, ah, there's no longer an offering for sin. The blood of Jesus doesn't count for you. Of course, that's not what that is saying. It's easy to see what that is saying. It's saying that there's forgiveness of these things, and so there's there's no other sacrifice that you can go to. The blood of bulls and goats won't help you, and the blood of Jesus is the only sacrifice. And it's the same with verse 26. If we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, what's the truth that he's been talking about here? The knowledge of the truth is that through the one offering of Jesus Christ, sin was taken away. We've been sanctified. We've been perfected. If you reject that... There is no other sacrifice for sins. The blood of Jesus, the offering of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, it can't be emphasized enough, is the only sacrifice that could do anything for sins. The blood of bulls and goats only provided a reminder of sins and couldn't actually take away sins. And so if there's going to be any sinning going on, the only sacrifice that does anything is the one sacrifice of Jesus. And so how do you trample the Son of God underfoot? How do you regard as unclean the blood of the covenant by which you were sanctified? How do you insult the spirit of grace? It's not by sinning, but it's by rejecting the sacrifice for sins. Yeah, that's good, Joel. And and again, we got this back and forth in the context. Remember verse 19? I know you brought up 18. Verse 19, therefore, because of this forgiveness, because of this one sacrifice, we have confidence to enter the holy place because we don't sin anymore? (laughs) No, because of the blood of Jesus. We have, the, we have that confidence now to enter the holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Well, now coming down to the passage that we're, we're on right now, there's a, a confidence that occurs for us too. I'm looking for it. 
Ah, there it is, verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Your confidence in the ability not to sin, that's a good thing not to sin. Sure it is, but that that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking right. about a rejection or a belief in Jesus Christ. Uh, this has a great reward. Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, believing in Jesus, you may receive what was promised. There's that word promise again. So yeah, that, that's what this is really all about. It, it, it's, it's not being afraid because you've, you've caused some sort of sin in your life to happen, and now suddenly the blood of Jesus isn't good enough for that. That insults the spirit of grace. Right, yep. And he ends with uh, some quoting from the Old Covenant again, for yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. He ends with good news here. We are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith, again, nothing to do with our works, who have faith to the preserving of the soul. So it's all about yes. this, the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Did you want to add something there? No, I'm just, I mean, skip down from 25 and 26 and 27 and 28 and look at the end of the chapter. We are not those who shrink back to destruction. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is stronger than that. We have faith in what he did. Right. So more on Hebrews as our podcast series continues next week on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.